Welcome, everyone. My name is Tom Pritchard, and welcome to the Marriage Champions podcast, where I talk with marriage champions about the habits, practices, and tools marriage champions can use to have great marriages and families, but also help other marriages and families. Today, my guests are Mark and Pam Johnson, who are the care ministry pastors at River Valley Church in Apple Valley, Minnesota. Uh, and uh, they're going to be talking about uh, their marriage ministry and work with couples and Thank you, uh, Mark and Pam, for joining me today. Well, thank you, Tom. It's great to be here with you. And we're excited to take this time and have this opportunity to talk about marriages. And so we look forward to that. Uh, my yes. wife and I, Pam. Yep. Go ahead. Yes, we have um, been passionate to uh, help marriages for many years. And so uh, we're, we're excited just to talk with you today and, and just share thoughts that uh, may help others to be those marriage champions in their church or wherever. Well, what uh, maybe start out with your care ministry pastors, what does that involve? I know that's more than just marriage. Right. Yes, uh, absolutely. I know for some um, churches, care ministries can uh, include certain um, areas of, uh, of care. And uh, for here at River Valley, what it consists of is we oversee our marriage ministry, prayer teams, our freedom ministry, um, and any type of like um, meal ministry, hospital visitation. Um, we also have an oversight of care to our missionaries. It actually includes quite a few things, but we have many people that are part of our teams that help facilitate all the care that we provide uh, church-wide. And Pam and I uh, do this role together. We both are the care ministry pastors at a central ministry building that supports all of our different campuses. And so she'll take primary on some of the things that she just mentioned, and I will take primary on the other, but then we're in contact with one another about virtually all those things that are going on. Uh, we've been married 41 years, and we get to work together. <laughs> yeah. I remember. Well, uh, uh, tell me a little bit how you got married. Uh, what? Uh, how did you meet, and uh, how did that material start? Sure. Okay. It was many years ago. Back when we were teenagers, we uh, happened to go to the same church, which was in downtown Minneapolis at that time, and we came from opposite ends of the city. And um, through uh, a mission trip that was, was happening to Jamaica, we were on that same trip together. And um, kind of a long story short, uh, kind of got interested in one another. Didn't start dating though for probably five or six months after that, but then um, just started a dating relationship. And um, I would say one of the characteristics that was really important, I think, to both of us is that we would just have a God-honoring dating relationship. And so, um, uh, so we, we dated actually for five years before we got married. But, of course, we were young, too. So <laughs> She was only 16 when we started. So you, five years seems like a long time, but it really isn't when you're only 16. Yes. And I just want to go back to that Jamaica trip because it's a fun story. I was 19, so I was out of high school. She was in high school, and this was really a high school trip. And so I was asked to come along as a type of leader, so to speak. And basically, I, I was just there to serve and do whatever needed help. 
But on that trip, I decided to like her, but I wasn't supposed to fraternize with any of the young ladies. <laughs> so what I did is I sat next to every single person on the bus, except for those who were married, every single person on the bus, so I could sit next to her and it wouldn't be so obvious. <laughs> you had, you had you looking ahead. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I'm curious, uh, you're interested in marriage ministry. Was that from the get-go in after you got married, or is that something that kind of developed afterwards? Well, I'll speak just briefly for myself. Uh, I grew up in a home where marriage uh, kind of fell apart in a number of different families or people. And so uh, when I gave my life to Christ, it was at age 17. And when I was praying, I felt God speak to me. And he said, I want you to learn what it means to be a, um, a husband and a father. I was 19 years old and I wouldn't get married for um, five or no, I was 17 and I wouldn't get married for seven years, but I felt that's one of the main things he asked me to figure out before I got married. And so uh, kind of from that point on, I guess we've had an interest and I don't know about right. you. Um, probably not formally in, um, right. with marriage ministry, uh, probably in the last like 14 or 15 years. Um, uh, up to that point, we've always been involved in ministry and church planting, um, music ministry, uh, leading women's groups and prayer teams and all those kinds of things. But um, probably in the last 14 to 15 years kind of uh, began to really uh, have a, a heart and passion for marriages. Um, and so through that, uh, we you know, started having small groups with marriage as our focus, but it was really once we came to River Valley and came on staff that that was one of the areas they really wanted us to give focus to is um, kind of having a, a type of uh, marriage ministry to help the couples that were hurting, but also to help prepare young couples, engaged couples for marriage. And so there was already um, a, a small um, type of process or program, if you will, here. And we just took, we took that from where it was and began to just pray and ask the Lord, God, what is it that you want to do here at River Valley in the area of marriage ministry? And so then the Lord opened up a door for us to connect with a particular ministry called DARE, which is an acronym for discover what the issues are, ask great questions, require action, and evaluate the progress. And at, once we met with the founder of that ministry, we just knew that was what we needed to implement at River Valley. And so there began uh, this journey of developing that ministry, but then also other aspects of marriage ministry um, here at River Valley. So that's kind of how, in a nutshell, how that all kind of came about. Yeah, and I think River Valley asked us to do that because in the previous church that we had been in, it was much smaller. But when a couple would come to the lead pastor and talk about marriage issues, he'd listen to them and then he'd say, go and talk to Mark and Pam. <laughs> And so we were doing marriage ministry at that church virtually with anybody that needed some help. And as we came to River Valley, we knew it was a larger church and we needed to build a system and get other people involved. And so we've done a lot of training to help others 
be marriage mentors and, and that makes our ministry so much greater because we don't have to do everything. We have others that are doing it as well. Yeah. Well, before we get into maybe talking about the ministry and some of the tools you've mentioned, what, from your own experience, what have you learned about marriage in your own relationship? Things that maybe you didn't anticipate before you got married, uh, I don't know, lessons you learn, advice you would give to other people. We yeah. obviously learn from our own experiences. Yes, and, uh, yes. Oh, most definitely. Um, we have grown so much in our marriage relationship over, over those 41 years. We needed to grow. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, you think about, um, you know, two people coming from broken families, broken lives, and you come together and you bring that brokenness to each other, you know, and start a, a marriage relationship it's going to be challenging and um, it's how much are you willing to, to grow together as a couple will determine how your marriage is. And I would say in our young years, um, it, it, we had challenges. We definitely had challenges. We uh, started uh, having children two years after we got married. And so, you know, parenting is not easy and that puts stress and pressure on your marriage um shortly after we had our uh, first son uh, mark lost his job and got laid off and so that you know there's those moments where you just like these are hard times these are hard situations um where money was tight and you have to work through those things and so um that's how we um, our early years were a lot of growth years in just learning about each other and how we work through challenges and difficulties. And so um, we grew a lot. <laughs> like I like to tell younger couples that we connect with now, um, we have this marriage health assessment and, um, you know, it uh, sometimes the younger couples they, they're struggling in their marriage. And it's like, I will just totally affirm and say to them, if I took this, if we took this when we were your age, ours would look like that too. Or, or worse. <laughs> or worse. So there's a lot of growth that has happened and, and it can happen for you too. <laughs> so did so, you, so you both came from broken backgrounds, families or... Um, uh, Pam's mom and dad stayed married and are still married today. Uh, and uh, Almost so, 65 years. 65 oh, that's great. But, you know, in any family, you have various aspects of it that could be better okay. and different things. And I, I think earlier in your growing up years, your family was, you know, they were going to church um, some, but they really didn't have a personal relationship mm -hmm. with Christ. And there were other things that were there. So... And then in my family, uh, there was just uh, a number of different issues, and my parents did end up divorcing. And so um, that had an impact. But I also think God used it in my life because during that time is really when I um, gave my life to Christ and really started hanging and learning and trying to um, lean into my uh, faith walk with God. And then I ran into a lot of other people that were there too. And I, I would say one thing that helped us so much is that both of us, before we got saved, 
we had a personal relationship with God. Mm-hmm. We realized that we had a growth to do and we we're just very active involved. And when we had struggles, the common thing was we knew that God would be there with us and for us. And um, I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. <laughs> and so God has a way to kind of help you bring that to the surface. And then I, in fact, I've said this before, but I said, you know, I can't believe that I have reacted to certain things the way that I have. I am a Christ follower. Why am I doing this? And then God had root things out of my life and build things, other things back in. So I think uh, having that personal relationship with Christ that is active and engaged in never pulling back, but just always engage with it is such a powerful thing to help a person in the relationship with their spouse. We need to get, there's a book out there called, what is it, Vertical Marriage? Uh, We need to get this relationship Mm -hmm. with our Heavenly Father, right, where he can speak into our life and really help us to become more Christ-like. And so I think that was extremely helpful for us. The other thing I think that was very helpful in those young years of our, in our first, say, five to 10 years of marriage was we had a really great group of friends that were all getting married about that same time that we were. And so journeying life together with other couples, I think really helped us as well. You know, where Mark would connect with the guys at times individually and I would with the ladies and then together as couples we do things and I feel like that is a very valuable um, aspect uh, of one's journey in marriage is having others along on that journey with you just to know that you're not the only one maybe going through um, some difficult days in parenting or relating with one another, but it's uh, when you're, they're all Christ followers, we're on this journey together and can help one another. So I feel like that was also very instrumental. And even the today, uh, that is something I love to be able to see is when a, a young couple gets married, that they are, get to be a part of a small group uh, and develop those relationships and friendships with them because I know that's going to help them in their marriage journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. We were part of a church plant back then, and all the people that were first part of it were not married except for maybe a couple. And then this time, they, we all got married and we ended up having kids and growing and stuff. And, and now it's 40 some years later, and all of those couples except one, and there were a number of them are still married today. So we had a group of people that were very committed to one another. They were committed to the Lord. They were really engaged with their faith. And it created a foundation for us to say, you know what, we're going to make it. We're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And we encouraged and supported one another. We prayed. We, we lived life together. And so that was really helpful. And I'm just so grateful for how God brought me when I first got saved into um, friendship with others that really had a heart for God because it really helped me a lot. And I'm sure you can say the same. Absolutely. Well, what, 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 what would be some practices or advice might you give to couples? It could be young couples, I guess, or older couples about things you've implemented in your lives, your marriage, which you say, yeah, these are really critical. And 
maybe you didn't do them at first or maybe you did, but things that you could point to and say, yeah, these are really important. Right. Well, I think one of the things that we really established right from the start is that we would never use the word divorce. It would never be a part of our vocabulary. It is never an option. So I think um, that is a very important thing. So when you ha are having those heated discussions and um, very challenging uh, situations you might be going through, that is, if you will, if a swear word, we're not going to use that. It's not going to um, come and be a part of that conversation. So we are going to learn to work it out. We're going to, um, maybe we're going to have to go to our separate parts of the house and pray it out or talk it out or something, but we're not going to use that as an option. So I think that's one thing that that's very important. Yeah. I, I also, go ahead. Okay. Just really staying committed to one another. Yes. And I think about that, you know, when we talk about love, um, Culturally, people look at the fact they got married and they live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. It's such a um, non-truth because you don't. There are issues that come up and there's things that you face and challenges individually and as a couple and uh, things like that. And you have to learn to work through those things and love one another despite the times. There may be times when you don't like one another, <laughs> but you still love each other. And uh, you know, most of the time we like each other, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we do. Yes. But anyway, uh, I think staying, uh, one of the other things that we've done too uh, is that we pray with one another. I feel that prayer is, and, and I'll be honest, we don't do it every single day, uh, or do we? Yeah, most, sure. Mostly. Yeah. But when I, it used to be, uh, I used to have to get up pretty early and I'd get up and get ready to go to work. And she'd come down a little bit later. And I always would give her a hug and pray just a blessing on her for that day. And then she prayed for me as well. And then we go throughout the day, but taking the different things that are part of life, uh, raising kids, challenges there, you know, taking those things and praying about them together, I think was something that's been a real mm -hmm. benefit. Yes. It softens my heart when we, when we pray. Yeah. yeah it struck me that uh, if one isn't praying, um, if, if there are issues, it's going to be very difficult to pray together. So it almost <laughs> forces you to confront other issues, which may be obstacles in your relationship to actually get to prayer. So that's a good uh, barometer, I guess I'd yes. say. So a real funny story. I think it's funny now, but at the time, Pam and I had a disagreement <laughs> and uh, she went to her room and I, or another part of the house, I stayed there. And I felt God was speaking to me about that. And he said, well, who was at fault in that argument? And I said, well, Lord, it takes two people. So we both are. <laughs> I thought, you know, that's good. I'm owning up to my part. And he said, well, how much wrong are you? I, I was thinking I was 5% wrong, but I didn't want to let the Lord know that. <laughs> As if he didn't already know. So I said, in my mind, I said, I'm 10% wrong. And he said, well, okay, I've called you to lead your home. Take care of the issue that is there. I thought, okay, I'm going to call Pam back in and I'm going to apologize for my 10%. Yeah. But I didn't say that. I just said, I, I really apologize for the way that I respond and react. And then we really talked. I mean, we really got down to what we, the issues were. And I realized I was a lot more wrong than I was right. But there's an issue of praying and letting the Holy Spirit speak to you and work in your life. And we reconciled and here we are today. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
So I think also um, walking in a place of forgiveness to one another. We know that on a daily basis, we're going to get offended. We will always have opportunities to offend each other. And what do we do with that? Do we let those harbor in our heart and accumulate under a rug and uh, after a while trip over that? <laughs> or do we um, deal with it um, real promptly and offer grace to one another? That I think is one of the biggest challenges with married couples is being able to forgive one another when you're offended. Because after a period of time, if you are not forgiving and if you're not saying I'm sorry for you know things that you do, those add up and they um, then oftentimes they just kind of can get explosive at times, you know, like because you've been holding all of that in and then it creates a, a greater challenge in your relationship. So keeping, um, you know, letting, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I think that's an important biblical uh, principle and verse to keep in mind is we don't, we want to walk in a place of forgiveness. I think if you don't forgive after a while, um, unforgiveness will turn to criticalness. You'll look at the other person in a very critical way. And if you let that fester for a while, there'll be contempt for the other person. Mm -hmm. And then you're in trouble. So I think forgiveness is really, really important up front mm -hmm. to kind of deal with it. You know, Pam used to do things that would irritate me. And we all have buttons, you know, that, you know, you say or do something, it hits a button. And so she would do that. And one day she said to me, said, Mark, I am not trying to irritate you. <laughs> Can you think the best of me? And that was really a good thing to know that, yeah, I should really switch my thinking to think the best of and not assume that she's saying or doing things that she's trying mm -hmm. to irritate me because that's not her intent. That's not her motive. And too often times we judge other people based on what they do and we judge ourselves based on our motives. And we give ourselves a lot of benefit of the doubt, but we need to give that same benefit of doubt to other people. Well, that's great. Those are great suggestions. Um, well, let, let me throw this question out there. Uh, let's say a young couple, or what do you see with young couples uh, as they're approaching marriage today? And, you know, this is a number of years after you guys got married and mm -hmm. some things don't change, but some things do change. What, what advice or suggestions would you give to young couples getting married you know, that things they may be facing that, uh, you know, are new or unique or more yeah. distinct? That's a great question. I, yeah, things are definitely different in our culture today than they were 40, 40 years ago. But um, I think um, just having that commitment uh, to one another to grow and develop your relationship. You can't expect that you, you know, walk down the aisle, you say your vows, and you just kind of live your life. <laughs> um, sometimes I see younger couples almost having not really joining together as one um, in their relationship, that they're still living separate lives, if you will. Even though they're married. Even though they're married. 
like they haven't given, they haven't changed how, you know, like their relationships with their friends. And I used to, you know, I love going to do this and uh, hang out with all the people after work and, and just kind of living separately, if you will. And they haven't come to join together as one and having that new priority, that new focus that now I'm married and I'm going to work on developing this relationship with one another. And it's not to say that you don't have outside hobbies or interests, but just that joining together and building this marriage relationship through a variety of different ways and resources. Matter of fact, we can even just talk about that real quickly right now. I just think it is so important to have these three different, um, we call them rhythms of marriage. And that being that daily connect time. How am I connecting with my spouse? What, am I sitting down and... So when, when we say connecting, that means the TV is turned off, the phones are put down. Yes. And we talk to one another. And we ask questions like, tell me the highlight of your day. And then when she tells me it, I'm not trying to solve her problems. I'm just trying to listen to them. And if she's had a tough day, I could show empathy by saying, you know, that sounds like it was kind of tough. What else went through your day mm -hmm. today? You know, just giving her an opportunity to process. Right. Because I think nowadays there's so much with text, text messaging. And, you know, I think there's even couples that will, you know, young couples that will say, well, yeah, I'm in one room, he's in the other, and I'm texting them. You know, it's like, no, it's better to come together and physically see each other and look and communicate with each other. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then prioritizing like a weekly date night. I feel like that is so important that, you know, that the dating that you did before you got married, that you continue to do that, you're nurturing that relationship. And then um, uh, a yearly getaway. I think those kinds of things really help to continue to grow your marriage relationship with one another. You know, getting back to the daily, I mean, weekly um, date night. So we've done that for many, many, many years. When we were young and had children and we didn't have a lot of money, we would rotate with a couple. We would watch their children for uh, Friday night, let's say, and they would go out on a date. The following week, they would watch our children, and we would go out on a date. And the days that all the kids were at a house was wild because there were six of them, <laughs> and they had a lot of energy. But it gave us uh, an opportunity to be able to go out and, and afford it because, again, we didn't have a lot of money at the time. And as we went on, there are times when Pam will organize or determine what we're going to do for a date, and then there are times that I will. And there are times that we'll just kind of say, okay, what do you want to do today? <laughs> and we come up together with that. So we try to mix it up so that it doesn't uh, get, grow stale and that it, it adds some continued um, uh, life-giving times together. Mm -hmm. And then find, find things that you can do together. You know, um, before we got married, I golfed a bit. Uh, then we had all kinds of kids and I had to work a lot and didn't do as much, but we found things that we could do together. And Pam has actually gone golfing with me a few times each year. And, uh, and then there's other things that we do too. Mm -hmm. well, yeah. Where do you go for date ideas? I mean, mm -hmm. what sort of things do you, did you do or do you do now? That... Yes, that's a great question as well. And, you know, sometimes um, uh, 
one can actually, there's, uh, I, I want to say, I think it was uh, Bill Harley has a, I believe a whole list, like at least a hundred different things that you can do on a date. I thought that was great because sometimes we, we can, um, uh, it, it could get stale or think you're only doing this a certain few things all the time, but um, we love going for walks. That is something we enjoy. And um, because we're going to converse with one another and, and we enjoy the exercise and, and just yeah, being joy. outdoors and that kind of thing. We enjoy uh, going out for a cup of coffee or going out for breakfast or dinner or something, golfing. That's something that we don't do as frequently, but it is something that is fun to do. Um, going on little uh, trips, maybe uh, a little vacation or like a one day trip down to Red Wing or uh, up to Duluth or something like that, little trip away. Uh, we enjoy things like that. And um, sometimes it's house projects. You know, that can be something that we, we decide that, hey, this is something that we love to do and we're going to do it together. And so um, cooking, oh, this is really fun. Come up with something that you really enjoy eating together and then go to the grocery store and get all the ingredients and doing an appetizer, a main dish, a salad, dessert, and then prepare it all together. Kind of like a gourmet evening. Get the candles out and have a great dinner together. That's fun too. That's a great. <laughs> well, no, well, that's those. Those are great suggestions. Uh, well, let's let's change uh, discussion to uh, churches and what churches can be doing. Or uh, I saw a survey recently, uh, not too long ago, where it said eighty percent of churches spend zero ministry dollars on marriage, and. I'm just curious as your thoughts, why, what is this? I, I know River Valley, you guys have a very active marriage ministry, family ministry, but uh, it does, I think you're probably the exception rather than the rule. Obviously you're a big church and you have resources, but even a small church could be having priority in some shape or form. What do you think the challenges are churches are facing and why marriage this not doesn't seem to be the priority. Um, I probably I would say maybe one of the top reasons might be because of budget. They just haven't allocated funds to really develop a marriage ministry. Um, you know, it could be that they're yeah they're just not seeing that as an important or priority or that they're not really sure maybe what to do. Um, you know, oftentimes when a couple's struggling, they'll probably go to their pastor and then they'll meet with them and maybe do some marriage counseling, but then maybe referring them to a professional counselor. But I think there's so many things that a church could do that would help um, lay some great foundation for couples in the church that don't have to cost a lot of money and can be preventative for couples so they don't end up in a real crisis situation. And I think one that comes to my mind is just having marriage-focused small groups available in your church because couples joining together with other couples 
going on this journey together, understanding that they're not the only ones that have struggles in their relationship. There's other people that do too. Oh, that's great. Well, let's, let's engage in a, a, a small group that has godly principles that are based on God's word so that we can grow together in that. So I feel like that's something that um, I would encourage a church that doesn't have a, a current ministry to just say, is there a couple in your church that it has a, has a good marriage? Would they be willing to lead a small group and invite other couples into that journey? And then, um, and, and just see what God does. Matter of fact, we have a couple at one of our campuses. They're so passionate about marriage. They, um, uh, they would have these, they, they would go all out, but this was just who they were. Um, she was like a chef. And so she would, um, and he was uh, kind of like a contractor. So he could build things and whatever. And they would have these groups, these married couple groups, and they would have a focus like a Caribbean cruise. And then everything would be about, you know, like almost walking into their house and feeling like you were on a cruise <laughs> or creating environments that yes. you celebrate marriage. And I think that's a really important thing. I was trying to, trying to think that to that question. Sometimes churches vision, um, every church has some type of vision and some of it is very well established and communicated and others are just behind the scene and it doesn't always include marriage. And, and frankly, in some churches, we uh, may have a good portion of the people in the church that aren't married. So um, whether they're single or they had been married and now they aren't, I mean, there's a lot of different things. So we have a broader congregation other than just marriage, although marriage is an important thing. And so um, if a church doesn't have somebody that is focused on it um, or they don't have the support from the leadership for it, uh, it's going to be hard to create anything of significance when it comes to a marriage ministry. But um, if you have a pastor who he, he may not have the time for himself, but he, he can give you that authority to say, I want you to run with us and I want you to build this. And, you know, you can come and we'll try to figure it out. Um, that is really helpful because I think the leadership of the church will carry a lot of weight uh, when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. what, why, uh, what would you say are the reasons a church should uh, make marriage, give priority to it or attention to it? You know, even in the context where you do have a lot of singles, um, you don't avoid the topic, obviously, but what would you say as to why marriage should be important in the local church? Well, I think if there's a strong marriage relationship that creates a strong family. Strong families create strong churches. Strong churches create, uh, a, you know, are, are instrumental in a city. The church, you know, that they're, they move beyond the out, the, the walls of the church and they, they get to be known like as a church that's, um, has resources and help for people that are going through struggles. 
and then our city, it, it goes to the state, you know? So, I mean, that's the, the very um, nucleus, if you will, to then moving um, outward across our city, our state, our nation. And so I think it's very important that, that we do have marriages that are strong. Yeah, I think so too. I think that uh, the opposite of that, of that is, is that uh, marriages aren't in, in marriages may end. And when that happens, uh, generally um, it is uh, hard for the family. Uh, there can be people that fall into poverty. There can be people that fall into uh, other difficulties and challenges addictions. and addictions and stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, reasons why I think the nucleus of a family is so valuable, important. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think that having it in the church is important because culturally, if you go out in the world and somebody's having a struggle with their mate and they're talking amongst them, their friends, you know, a guy with men and a woman with other women, and they talk about their marriages and the difficulties and challenges, there's very little support out there. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes the thing that they'll say, oh man, he sounds like a real creep. You should get rid of him. And they almost say it flippantly, but it's in the church where we can say, no, there are challenges, but there is hope. And if you don't have hope, we have hope. Let us come alongside and help you. And let's see where this can go, but don't give up because there's, you know, and I think we give up too quick. You know, we live in a culture where everything is um, microwavable and you get something really quick. And we don't understand that sometimes character development takes time and we need to go through struggles in order to be able to build the character in our life. And oftentimes when people get to that struggle point, they move away, they get away from it. They try to get away from the discomfort of it and they miss out on what God wants to do in their life. Yeah, no, that's very good. Well, let, let's turn to uh, marriage. I guess I call them marriage champions, people who are passionate about marriage and maybe want to help other marriages or people who may be, they're, they're candidates for being marriage champions. You know, they, they, they have maturity and they have a good marriage and, they may not think in terms of helping others. What What are your thoughts on what's the characteristics of a, of a marriage champion or somebody and uh, what they can do if they want to engage? Now, let's say, for instance, their church doesn't have a marriage ministry and uh, or where they can plug in. But uh, let's just talk a bit about marriage champions and who they are, what they look like and how they can be involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that um, a couple that um, has a, not a perfect marriage, but a good marriage, um, that they are, um, they have a commitment to follow Christ that they've really established God's um, word as a part of their life, that they're a good example to follow, that their lives uh, reflect that, that people see them in that way, and that they're authentic. I think this is really important too, that they're authentic um, to, uh, to those around them as they are in their own home. 
so that there's not a mask that they put on, a facade that things are so great when really in fact they're not. Transparency and honesty, I think is very key of importance. Um, just so that sometimes people would say, oh, you guys don't have any problems or troubles. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> I, then I think I have to be more transparent about that, you know? Well, part of that <laughs> is that they see us from a distance. Mm -hmm. But if they were to spend time with us, and I mean, we're not going to uh, blabber everything out, but I mean, just getting to know people, you know, and understand that there are times when there are challenges and difficulties. Mm -hmm. Kids don't always do the things you want them to do. And, yeah. and you're trying to raise them and do the best that you can with them. And and uh, you're praying like crazy at times. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that uh, authenticity, and I think over the years, we've, uh, as leaders in our church, have been more authentic in sharing stories about our own lives uh, and what God's redemptive power has been for us. And that uh, gives mm -hmm. people, so you know what, they're, I can watch them and they can be a strength to me because of their relationship to one another and their relationship to God. I, I can remember when I was younger and we were younger, I would look at the older couples in our church and I didn't necessarily spend a lot of time with them, but I gained strength from them because their marriages were good. Their families were good. You could see it and, and just the things. And I want to be that type of person for other people. I want people to be able to say, you know, Mark and Pam, they're an example. They're not perfect, but they're an example. And I want to be more like them. And Paul said that. He said, follow me even as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. It's always pointing to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we hope to build. We want to build a culture within our church. And I think we have where when per, a people, person has an issue in their marriage, the first response is, there is hope mm -hmm. and we can help you. Mm -hmm. I also think a couple needs to be um, approachable and that they are warm, uh, a warm couple, because if you're, you know, not engaging in conversation and relationship, then people won't really be attracted to what you're doing, you know? So if you have, uh, like, Mark is really outgoing. I'm not so much, but I think together, we, um, we're always about who can we connect with? Who can we invite into this process? And so if a couple or a marriage champion or whatever uh, had that type of uh, personality or that was their desire, I feel like then they're able to uh, gather others along on the journey with them. Mm. You know, there's something I've uh, come across. Uh, it's, it talks about the family being the domestic church. And it struck me that's a powerful image of we think about discipleship and evangelism and all those things happening outside the home, whereas, in fact, I think marriage and family is where they should be primarily situated. You know, we're evangelizing our kids. We're sharing God with other people. Um, discipleship's happening in the home for good or for bad, one way or another. And... Uh, it just struck me that if people began to see their marriages that way, mm -hmm. they might have a sense of, you know, of outward focus of what, how we can help others. And mm -hmm. I don't know, what, what are some ways that formally and informally 
couples can be marriage champions. Um, you know, uh, you know, cause obviously you can join a ministry and become a part of some program and what are some of those, but then also informally, what things could they do to, uh, to reach out, I guess, in a way. I know at one point in time we were doing uh, just a little small group called dinner by dinner by eight. And um, what it was is just inviting like four couples um, into our, our home. And um, what we did is we would do, there were a couple different ways. One is having dinner in our home. Uh, a couple different times we'd go out for dinner together as four couples but then we'd have a little devotional time and dessert. And it was just a 3D. Oh, we called it 3D too. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah. 3D. So dinner, devotion, d- dinner, dessert, devotion. And that's a fun way to get to know the couples and enjoy just building relationship because we're meant for relationship, right? Mm-hmm. We're sharing life together. What a simple way to do that. And, um, and, uh, and that was so fun, those years that we did that, the 3D. Now we have a big group, a life group, that um, we're, we're focusing on, on some other topics. But but uh, I think that's a, a, a formal, maybe a formal way. How about an informal way? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, when we've been in church, we would, uh, that was smaller, we would um, always speak well of marriage and people would end up coming to us. I mean, we didn't have a formal title. We didn't have a, a plan or whatever, but they just said, you know what, if you're having a different issue, go and talk to Mark and Pam. And so we just became people who were available to others. And I think being available and approachable is really, really important. It, it means that we have to keep our own relationship right with God and with one another. In fact, some of the times after we shared with some people, we said, you know, what we told them was really good. We probably should do that. <laughs> so being better. or better. And, and so what it meant is that as we were helping others, uh, we were being helped ourselves, mm-hmm. and our marriage got better because mm-hmm. we were focused on it. And I think creating focus, if we're Christ followers and the Holy Spirit is in our life, if we put focus on something, God's going to bring some great thoughts and ideas and we're going to grow in that area. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big thing that a person could do informally. Just, just put focus on it. How would you do that? What would you do to, to focus, I guess, on marriage or family or is it? Well, I think there's a lot of resources that are available out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I do, I actually have an email sent to me every single day. Uh, it comes from Family Life. And it's just a short blog that talks about marriage and um, they have some great content. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually read uh, it mostly every day. Sometimes I don't, but that provides focus for me. That helps mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. I find other people that have an interest or, or uh, just find others. There's different books, Lots of books. that we read or yes. that we have had. We uh, There's podcasts that are available now. There's uh, different ministries that are focused specifically on marriage. I think there's so many things out there that a person mm-hmm. could do. You know, they have, you have some people that like to read. 
other people don't like to read. So then they have uh, a podcast or a video. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the age of our internet, there's a lot of good things out there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, earlier I was thinking about this, uh, social media and um, news and certain things, you kind of need to stay away from some of that stuff because it creates negativity. Uh, yeah, negativity and takes away from the relationship mm-hmm. you have. But there are some really good things out there too. And so we should take uh, advantage of those when we can and just provide focus and, and let others who have gone through things speak into our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the ways. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about, let's turn to the whole area of mentoring. And uh, I know you folks have, you mentioned earlier this D.A.R.E. program Maybe uh, discuss a little bit about that and how that could be utilized in a church. Mm-hmm. Talk about when we first started. Yes, when we first started, um, what happened is, is, as I mentioned earlier, the founder of that ministry came and met with us and we uh, invited him to come and do training at River Valley. And what we did is we invited Um, We had 25 couples that we just said, hey, come and just listen to this this training on marriage mentoring, and you are not committing to anything. We're not expecting you to do this, but just come and see what you think about it. And so these 25 couples came. They went through the whole training, which was six hours, uh, three hours on a Friday night and three hours on a Saturday. And at the end of the training, there was an opportunity to say, yes, we would love to do this and fill out a a marriage mentor agreement, if you will. And all 25 couples did that. And we were blown away by that. We just thought that was incredible to us that all 25 couples would have enjoyed this training so much that they would say they wanted to do that. And um, so that spoke volumes to us regarding how this was laid out, that it was easy to follow, that it was inviting and that it was effective. And in that training, couples even have the opportunity to practice mentoring each other. So um, it was just, it was a great um, an exciting start to this mentoring ministry that uh, we uh, implemented back in 2010. And um, so from that, we uh, became trainers ourselves and how to, how to train uh, other couples so that as we continued to grow this, we could um, develop this ministry in a larger way across all of our campuses. We have eight campuses. so. We wanted to be able to facilitate marriage mentoring across all of our campuses. So we needed to be able to know how to train. And so there began this journey of, uh, of this ministry growing and uh, then identifying what are called at River Valley campus marriage leads that lead marriage mentoring at each of our campuses. And then they develop marriage mentor teams at their campuses. So they are our marriage champions. They are couples that are speaking life about marriage. 
they are known as, uh, as someone they could connect with, uh, meet with, go through that process of marriage mentoring. And we have just seen that just be so instrumental uh, in helping grow and strengthen marriages, but then also help prepare engaged couples for marriage as well. So they're trained in, in all of that. And we have had so many marriage mentors say, thank you so much that to, to give us this opportunity to do ministry together. Because maybe they've never had that opportunity. You know, maybe they've done things separately at, at church and served in that way. But this is such a great way that a married couple can serve together and help other couples. And they're so thankful that they have this opportunity to do that. The thing I wanted to say about that too is that they're all volunteers and our pastors at our church love this because if a couple comes to the pastor, the pastor can point them to um, a mentor in the process that we have. And when it comes to that, the, the, the training support and structure that we put in place gives the uh, mentors, our volunteers, the confidence and a process for them to be a part of something and uh, so I think that that's just very, very important in that. Maybe just go over a little bit about what it looks like. What, what's involved in this program? Mm -hmm. Commitment, time commitments, and who is it for? Is it, yeah. is it just for marriages which are in deep trouble? Or can mm -hmm. it reach anybody? And can it be adapted to, to you know, different settings? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> We uh, yeah, when a couple comes to our church and they go on our website and they decide that they want to be mentored, and uh, we we have all our prayer teams know that we have a marriage mentoring ministry. All of our staff knows that. So if a couple comes to our church and they're saying, "Would you pray for me? My marriage is a mess." We say, "Let's pray." And after the prayer, we say, "You know, we have marriage mentoring available, and here's how you get uh, connected to that." So they go to the website, they uh, sign in. It's for pre-marriage, so people getting ready. It's for people who want to uh, strengthen their marriage, and it's also for people who are in crisis. And we have trained a number of people to be marriage mentors. Some of them want to work with pre-marriage only. Others want to work with moderately struggling families. Then we have a few marriage mentors to say, give us the crisis ones because they themselves went through a crisis in the past and God did amazing things in their life and they wanna share that and help the next couple. And so it's really a broad range of people. And uh, we have a number of people that, um, in fact, we had one couple come to us and say, we are struggling because we are married with a disability, uh, a child that has a disability. We had a marriage mentor who had a child with disability and we were able to connect the two of them and they could speak one another's language. We have people who are marriage mentors who are blue collar and they went and they were able to meet another person who's blue collar. collar. We have people who are um, white collar, you know, business. And, and so we find the commonality in that and it's uh, a very broad in that. And uh, we're willing to uh, provide hope for each one. Now, when a mentor goes to training, we ask them to mentor at least one or two couples a year. Mm -hmm. 
and it goes for six to eight weeks uh, through the process that we have. And um, what else? Yeah. The way it works is once a couple decides that they would like to sign up for marriage mentoring, they will uh, fill out a request form. That request form goes to that campus marriage lead couple. They will look over their team and just determine what would be the best fit. Check with that marriage mentor, see if they're available. If they are, then they'll send that request form to them. Then they will take and, and get a hold of the couple who would like to be mentored. They will invite them to their home. They will set up a certain schedule. Maybe it's, uh, you know, Tuesday evenings at seven o'clock for an hour and a half. They'll be meeting together. On the first day that they meet together will be an opportunity for the couples to get to know one another. They will also then take a survey of questions, which we kind of call a marriage health assessment. It's 134 questions that are statements, if you will, that are either I agree with the statement or I disagree with this statement. That goes through software. It produces a result. It shows the areas that that couple um, is, is probably struggling in. It encompasses 10 different categories, communication, compatibility and personality, uh, faith and values, uh, sex and romance, parenting, in-laws, lo uh, loyalty, um, money. Uh, so 10 different categories. So it's it, uh, as long as the couple is responding honestly on that survey, it is a very good indicator of where this couple is at in their marriage then that mentor couple takes that information and that's what they use to mentor them over the course of those um, eight weeks. And they'll start in the area of communication because it's very important that we, we get that couple to communicate in a healthy way. And so um, once they are uh, uh, working, starting to work on that, um, we're going to teach them tools on how to communicate and how to resolve conflict. And, um, and so through different tools that are shared, principles that the, uh, the mentor couple shares with them, biblical principles, uh, God's word, um, it is, it's very powerful. It's a, just a very powerful way to really uh, work together on facilitating a process to help that couple learn how to relate better with each other. With, with great principles and, and tools. And so that in a nutshell is kind of what marriage mentoring looks like. And then what the couple um, at the end of that night, um, they will be given some homework. And homework, it, what that means is practicing some things that they learned that night, putting into practice uh, a new way to approach a problem or a situation or when they're in conflict. And then when they come back together, the next week, they'll say, how did you do with that? When you had a conflict, were you able to use this, this um, we call it rounding the bases uh, tool. It's a way, an approach to, to approach a, a, a conflict. And, um, and then hopefully they have been able to do that. If they haven't, then they're going to be able to tweak some of that. And um, so they're evaluating, again, evaluating their progress and moving them uh, through that assessment over the course of those eight weeks so that's in a nutshell what it looks like can those tools uh, like the assessment be used in an individual basis I mean do some people 
let's say, hey, every year or whatever, we may just take the assessment on our own and it'll help give us a checkup on where our marriage is at. Right. That's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, with uh, the DARE ministry, I would just encourage people to go to their website, which is daretobedifferent.com. And um, uh, his name is Matt Lair. And this is another important point. Matt Lair has partnered together with Emerson Egridge of Love and Respect. They're of combined ministry now, which is very powerful. And they are always developing new ways, new tools. And I, 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 I just spoke with them a few weeks ago. And there's new th ways that he's going to be um, making things available. So uh, I want to just encourage people to go to that website and just see, um, you know, at, from my understanding at this point, it, it's you want to connect with a marriage mentor so that you are trained in how to view um, that assessment and, um, and know the tools needed to, to then work through it. So if you've already been mentored, um, then there could, I think there might be a way for you to do that assessment again and just see how you've done. But to have that assessment without really having then the proper tools to work through those um, areas that you're not in agreement with, um, it wouldn't be helpful to you. you. You really need to know those things before. So they have um, many opportunities now where they have different marriage mentors that are located throughout the United States that you could work online with them. Um, if that was not something that was available in your church or in your area or something. So I would just encourage somebody to really explore all the different options that are available. Um, Matt Lair is so about wanting to help um, churches of all sizes be able to offer this to their church. Mm -hmm. Now, do you folks provide training on a regular basis in River Valley? And is that accessible to others or how does that work? Yeah, we do regular trainings of probably four a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have uh, three or four different trainers, I think. Do we have four? I think we have three. Four. Four? Okay. And and so uh, usually in our church, a person expresses an interest or a pastor talks to a couple and says, we think you'd be great at marriage mentoring or at least to consider it. They're put on a list. And when the trainings come up, we uh, send that out to them, and if they're available, they can come to it. We have had people from outside our church come to trainings. and uh, But then we connect them right away to, yeah. to DARE because we wouldn't be able to then facilitate all the, the things that are necessary for them to run that at their church. So uh, we've had some people just come and like just learn about it, and then they connect with right. DARE to be different. So that's the training, but then to, to proceed beyond, they would connect yeah. with their center. Right. Okay. Yeah. How do you, you mentioned the idea of recruiting marriage mentors. How has that worked? I mean, do, do couples get burned out from doing the mentoring. Mm -hmm. uh, you say one a year. Uh, are yeah. you constantly on the lookout for people to say, oh, we think you'd be a great mentor? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, 
you know, we've trained marriage mentors who then at a certain point in time have a different life stage and may choose not to do it. They may move. Uh, they may be called to something different and, and are taking a break. They may have had a new child and said, we can't do it right now. So we have a lot of that. But uh, there's uh, times that we just, uh, from each one of our campuses, they're kind of looking and determining whether or not there's other people that can be added to the team. And they look at the uh, qualifications. You know, they want to have people that have a heart for God and have a decent marriage. And then they go through the training uh, or invited to it. Yeah. So that's part of we, it. Just we, inviting. Yeah. Just asking. We, we um, say that our marriage mentors are really our highest level of leaders. We, we want them to be really good, solid leaders because if they're representing uh, this ministry, uh, we want them to really be on, on board with the vision of River Valley and, um, and, and just be um, someone that people would uh, look up to and, and uh, respect and that kind of thing. So, so it is a by invitation only, if you will, you know, where a campus pastor mm -hmm. or one of the other staff maybe meets with a couple and just sees just who they are and just thinks that maybe they would be a great marriage mentor. And so they're invited to the training. And of course, until they go through the training and they also have to do the marriage health assessment themselves. So we also know the health of their marriage before they're gonna help other couples. That's very important. And, um, and then they would be approved to be a marriage mentor. So there's a process. So we're not just having anybody be a part of a, our team, if you will. Now, I think in the past, uh, the pastoral staff have you utilize this tool? Maybe talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, a few years ago, we had actually done a marriage um, retreat. And during there, somebody says, have your pastors taken this marriage health assessment? They had not. And we came back and we just pitched the idea to our senior pastor. And he said, well, give me a proposal. And so the proposal was that every uh, pastor and uh, director at our church would take the marriage health assessment every other year. The results would be confidential, meaning we wouldn't share it with the senior leadership. The only time we would do that if there was a major issue and we needed to uh, do some um, intervention. But uh, as we did that, we found, you know, a, a church of our size, there are a few pastors in their family, their spouse. I would say probably on our staff, probably like five to six couples every time we do this, every other year that um, would benefit from some additional help. And so then we're able to get them connected uh, to whatever resource we feel would be the best for them. Sometimes it might be marriage mentoring. We do have a couple that is a marriage mentor that is a um, have had pastoral um, experience for many years. They're retired and they have a heart for our staff. They are the ones that are specifically, that's what they do. They just meet with uh, staff couples. And so, um, and it's all confidential. Nothing is shared with anybody else. Uh, so if that's the right resource for them, that's where we're gonna connect them. Uh, for some, it could be professional counseling. It could be, uh, it, it's just whatever is the best tool that they, they need. But this has been 
very helpful and important to our lead pastor to know that the marriages of our pastors are healthy. And yeah, so. That's powerful because I think oftentimes we assume our pastors have it together that they, you know, yeah. And yet they get lost in the shuffle in a way. And yet, you know, I think we all kind of live and minister out of our personal lives, our marriage lives. Mm -hmm. And so if our marriages aren't, as we all run into struggles at different times. So I I think that's huge and says a lot about River Valley that Mm -hmm. you would make that a priority. So that's, that's great. Um, Let's talk uh, earlier. We talked a bit about small groups Mm -hmm. and um, you talked about maybe some of the resources there and, and also the question of what, you know, to just say, well, we've got small groups. They could be bad small groups because Mm -hmm. the way they're structured or what they miss, Mm -hmm. What are some elements for an effective small group? What, or would you see there as some elements, uh, you know, especially as it applies to marriage and family life? I think the leader is important. And so we actually uh, have encouraged at times a marriage mentor couple to consider maybe marriage mentoring a couple in the spring of the year and in the fall of the year leading a, a small group. So um, because they, uh, they, they maybe have mentored other couples and they can invite them on the journey. Um, so knowing that uh, we have a strong couple leading um, and has the right tools uh, to share with couples that might be struggling is important. That, that to me would be important. I think also uh, we give them a list of curriculum that we kind of, if you will, approved, you know, like these are all, and there's a, it's a wide range of list. And we'll just say, these are great small group curriculum. We, you know, feel free to choose one of these. If there's something else that you feel like you, um, you'd like to do, yeah, just let us know. And we just want to make sure that it's all theologically good <laughs> and sound. And uh, we are familiar with the author or whatever. Um, but we have a lot of choices that couples can draw from. And, um, and so uh, those, those would be definitely elements, that a good curriculum, a great leader. And, um, you know, that it's, uh, it's inviting. For us, uh, a small group leader goes through an um, application process and uh, some training and so we uh, are helping them to be better leaders and then we actually uh, have support for them as well if they have questions or they run into something they're not really quite sure what to do and so I think that's important and the leader is a big part of it. Is this just in the area of marriage or for all small groups? It's actually for all small groups. Well what what sort of things would you do they learn in terms about being a good small group leader? Um, uh, are there, uh, is it their social times or their prayer? They always have prayer. They always have scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, did, how, what would a, you know, obviously different curriculums have different focuses, but to be a effective small group, what sort of things need to be, do they need to be focused on? Well, I'll talk about some things and then Pam can. One of the things is uh, group dynamics. Mm -hmm. If you have a person in the group that dominates the conversation, how do you deal with that? Okay. 
If you have a person who never, ever talks, how do you deal with that? How do you uh, create an environment that's safe for each person that is there? And, and so those are, I think, big things. And if you don't do those things, it can go south really quickly. And uh, confidentiality, confidentiality is important. Mm -hmm. And so, and then um, listening skills. Mm -hmm. So they're not there necessarily to uh, teach, but to facilitate. And we allow curriculum to do the teaching. And uh, for the most part, mm -hmm. I think there are a few groups that we have that they actually do more teaching, uh, but people going to it know that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. and, and then, so it's a real relational in trying to get to know people. What else would you say? Yeah. Um Right. I think uh, in any small group, there is the kind of icebreaker kind of question to sure. kind of get, get everybody uh, feeling comfortable with one another. And then what if it's a video um, that they're watching either book some some of our small groups, the people have access to what's called right now media, which is what we use at River Valley that um, so everybody in that group could have access to the video to watch it ahead of time and then be able to have more discussion time when they gather together. Some groups might watch the video and then have the discussion time and then prayer. So I think those are would be the elements of most of our small groups. And, um, and just staying connected, you know, through uh, emails or whatever, you know, if there's prayer requests and different things. We also have something what's called um, for all of our small groups, it's called a care resource guide for life group leaders. And it just really helps a life group leader know how to care for all those that are in their small group and through different um, situations that uh, happen where whether somebody's gonna uh, go in the hospital or they're sick or they had a baby or something like that and how we can best as a small group care for them. So those are some of the tools that we provide to all of our small group leaders so they can be the best uh, small group leader that they can. Are there particular curriculums that, or courses that come off, uh, come to mind that you yeah. thought? I mean, there's, I'm sure, many. Many, yes. But, but you know, some? yeah. So I, I think there are um, quite a few churches now that are, do have access to Right Now Media. And so I'll just pick three of our, our favorites. Um, one is uh, called Marriage Built to Last, and that's by Chip Ingram. I think that's a very good, I think it's like six weeks small group. There's a facilitator guide that um, a person can download. Another one that we really like is the art of marriage and that's by family life um, and very well done, very well produced, great curriculum, great topics. Um, the facilitate the, the couples that are each, each week is a different couple like facilitating on there. Very, very good. And then the other one that we really, really love is also uh, called Create, uh, the, crazy. the Crazy Cycle. And that was by Emerson Egrich. And that one is very good as well. So that's just three out of a list of many others, but probably at the top on our list. And um, so, but just know that um, if somebody did have access to Right Now Media, there's probably... 50 to 75 different types of curriculum. Mm -hmm. 
On marriage. On marriage. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn to a couple other things. I know uh, you at River Valley have had a course called Truly Free. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, is that something you recommend? I mean, obviously it's in the church context, <laughs> yeah. but uh, is that something you recommend for marriage couples or individual well, couples? It's not. Yeah, say it's yeah, we used to call it truly free. Now we call it freedom. So freedom. Uh, we just yeah. use yeah, the one word, mm-hmm. just a, but it's the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, freedom came out of a desire to help couples in uh, strong marriages who had issues from their past that were impacting the present. And we, we uh, what would happen is couples were really struggling and the marriage mentors were having difficulty. They would give them to uh, Pam and I, and we would try to help them in their marriage. And sometimes we, we were not able to do that. And we recognized that they had issues from their past. So we wrote a curriculum called Freedom. And it deals with um, basically, I would say the lies that we believe in our life about who we are and what experiences in our life have meant and what is God's truth. And we do recommend uh, everybody at our church to go through that. It's a two-part process, a Freedom Core Group, and then a Freedom Encounter, which is a day and a half event uh, that we get to experience God uh, really speaking into our life in a more profound way. And uh, that has significantly helped individuals. Uh, Quick story, one person um, came to the pastor and he was really struggling and with Uh, his marriage and he said I want you to read this curriculum and this weekend come to the encounter and God spoke to him in such a profound way that it changed the direction of their marriage which was close to divorce Mm -hmm. and so we know that many people have gone through that it it has helped in a significant way I will tell you this that Pam and I went to an event like this in the past I don't know how many years it was but it helped us, even though we had a good marriage, we found that there were things in our life that God needed to speak to us about to help us be set free from different thoughts and different things that have been part of our life. And it just helped our marriage so much better. And so we do recommend it. What would be some of the topics they would cover? Mm-hmm. Well, some of the topics that are covered is, the first session is called God is my source. Um, what we talk about in there is how um, oftentimes we think that we're the ones that have to try to figure out our life and make making our own decisions and and um, but it's so important that we understand that God is our source and without Him we can do nothing. We have to be connected to the vine. We have to abide in Him, and so that's foundational. Is that He must be our source. The second one is I'm a citizen of the kingdom. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. So there's very vast differences in how those kingdoms operate. And so we talk about that we are actually a citizen of the kingdom of God and what that means. Number three is I surrender. And that just talks about how sometimes there's just areas in our life we have not been willing to surrender to the Lord. And um, without a surrendered heart, he is unable to really work in our lives. So what areas need uh, that surrender from him? Fourth lesson is God revives my soul or God's word revives my soul. We we place a lot of importance and emphasis on God's word in this. And there's a lot of scripture. 
this helps. And people actually read through this and then they're in a table group of about six to eight people and they're sharing with one another what it is that God is speaking to them about this topic. And it really uh, is encouraging to watch as God really begins to set people free. Mm -hmm. The fifth lesson is my identity is in Christ. And so we really spend some time really understanding who we are in Christ, that we have a body, soul, and spirit, and how our spirit, when we um, are, are um, when we give our lives to Christ, our spirit is reborn, but our soul and our flesh have been under the the uh, the lordship of of the flesh all these years, and so we have to understand that the spirit man in us now needs to be lord over our soul and our flesh and that is a huge lesson that's so transformational when we understand that um we uh need to give that lordship of our lives uh, over to christ in that way um, the sixth lesson is i am spiritually minded and there's a big difference between being carnally minded uh, secular thought thinking and being biblically minded and we're spiritually minded so we have a whole lesson on that and then our lesson seven is i hear god's voice and understanding that um it's so important that we uh understand that god wants to speak to us and we can listen to him and as we listen to him we follow what he wants us to do and he sets us free he heals wounds of our lives that need to be healed and then i choose forgiveness and forgiveness or unforgiveness is a huge thing in our culture. You know, uh, people are getting offended all the time. We can't go uh, much long. We can't go very long in our life without being offended. But we get to choose whether we're going to forgive or not forgive. Or we're going to choose whether we'll take that offense into our life. So forgiveness is a really big part. So that's uh, that. And then the freedom encounter uh, deals with some of the similar things, but it gives us an, a, more of uh, an opportunity to experience that in a um, dedicated moment and a focused moment. And we talk about uh, mother-father wounds. We talk about um, soul ties. We talk about spiritual heritage or yeah. family um, upbringing, things like that. Talk about um, freedom from shame and rejection, which is so prevalent in so many people's lives. We talk a little bit more about forgiveness and um, how to walk in the Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We talk about anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happens is that as people go through this and they're set free, what it happens is that the way we think, the way we operate in our life impacts our relationship. So if I have unforgiveness and I, it means that whenever she says or does something that bothers me, I'll hold unforgiveness. And I'm not free to love or to live life the way God intended for us to live. And so these core principles, I think, are so important in a relationship. See, we need to operate. I, Jimmy Evans has a saying that he said this, if you operate your life biblically the way God intended, your marriage has 100% chance of success. But too often we get away from God's word. We get away from the things that he has. So this course helps us align our lives uh, with what God's word says, and it heals us from the effects of what uh, has happened in our life that the enemy of our soul has done to try to kill and destroy and to tear apart our life, that our soul has been fractured in the past, 
And God is there to heal and redeem and to restore and to build and to give life to one another. That changes your relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with people that you work with. It changes everything. Uh, is this accessible to people outside of River Valley or is this just a, a seminar that you do or, uh, and people, but could others attend it or? Right. Oh, absolutely. Anybody is welcome to come to our freedom encounter. Um, we have had people um, attend our freedom core groups from other churches. So um, uh, our next um, freedom groups that will happen will be in the fall of the year in September we just concluded the uh, kind of like the spring groups. And so um, a person could just um, actually just reaching out to us too. We have a digital version of the curriculum that they could, we could send to them. Um, and uh, we also have a pro uh, thing in our church called disciple you yes, and under, right. under disciple you, we have an individual that uh, goes through the core uh, Curriculum. curriculum that I, we just went through and gives like a 15 minute video video and talks about it and then all the material is uh, available right online mm -hmm. so anybody can go to our website anybody can go to that and be a part of it yeah. and then they're welcome to come to the freedom encounter when we have them we usually have them in the fall in the spring mm -hmm. in the fall will probably be in november i think mm -hmm. Just back to disciple you. What what a person would do is they would just download the River Valley Church app, and on the app they will see uh, an icon that says disciple you, and then once they click onto that, there's all kinds of different curriculum here at River Valley that we've uh, developed and created, and some outside ones as well. And they would just look for freedom, click onto that. So it's all those eight week sessions that we're talking about. And the whole curriculum is downloadable on a PDF document. So anybody could, could access that and watch the videos. They're really great um, with one of our uh, pastors who teaches on it. Well, that's exciting. And I think that's so critical that you know, we can talk about marriage and, you know, communication skills and other things, but realizing that at a deeper level, things are going on in our lives yes. that we need to address rather than talking them through, but also praying them through and recognizing mm -hmm. things we need mm -hmm. to do to get free. So totally. that's great. And I didn't realize it was so accessible. So yes, uh, yes. just a couple other things before we close. One is, uh, Mark, uh, we've talked about in the past, the Promise Principle groups and also your vision for marriage booklet. Maybe talk a little bit about the Promise Principle groups and how those might be effective for helping marriages husbands, you know, wives even, I, I don't know if they. Yeah. Well, the promise principle group is uh, groups of guys that get together once a week. What they've done during the week is they've read one chapter, <clears throat> the same chapter every day. Yeah. Of the Bible, yeah. a chapter of the Bible. And then um, they may read it in one translation on day one and a different translation and so forth. And then they get together for uh, about an hour and uh, the group that I have, we get together and we read the verse, one verse at a time, that same chapter. And when we're done, what we do is we say, what verse stuck out to you? What do you feel God has spoken to you? And so I might say, I read James chapter four, I think it is, and where it says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. 
And I will say this verse spoke to me and it reminded me how important it is for me to draw near to God. And when I do that, he promises. It's a promise. So we call it the promise principle. There's going to be a promise. There's going to be a truth or there's going to be a command. And I say, this is a promise to me that when I engage and lean in towards God, God's going to reveal himself to me. It's a promise. And then when I'm finished sharing what it is that God spoke to me, I pray that into my own life. I said, dear Lord, I thank you for this verse and the reminder that it is that I, when I engage and draw near to you, that you draw near to me. Thank you for the nearness of you in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we're together with the guys, we're not telling one another what to do. We're not pointing out one another's faults. What we're doing is just sharing what's in our own heart. And the amazing thing is that another person will share, and it's what spoke to them. But as they're talking about how it spoke to them, it speaks to me too. And I thought, oh, man, that was really good. I didn't see that in that verse, but that is so good. And I've had, uh, it's about, I think there's five, four or five guys that we've got uh, over 500 men in Promise Principal Groups that meet and they're anywhere from six to 12 people in each group. So there's a lot of groups, but I know guys, uh, there's at least five guys. I know that when they came to us, they were not in a group. Their marriages were really in difficult stages of some of them very, very close to divorce. Some of them where they had been kicked out of the house. And we said, we want you to be part of the promise principle group. I want you to share, if they come to my group, I say, would you share the essence of your issue, what's going on? Don't get into all the details. So he'll, one guy came, he said, I came because my marriage is a mess and I've been kicked out of my house, but I want to ask God to give me hope for it. And that's all I had to share. And then the rest of the guys pray for him and agree with them. And over time, I've seen five marriages restored as the men got connected to God in God's word, and they started hearing God speak into their life. And it changed the way they related to their spouse. It changed the way. And then now we have women who are going through the same promise principle group, a few of them, and, and we're seeing some similar things there. And I think it's so powerful when God speaks to a person. You know, I can tell a person, you need to um, uh, understand that there's peace. God has peace for you. But when God says peace to you, it's not him telling you about peace. It's him giving you peace. Because when he speaks, it, it's the essence of what he's speaking. He's creating that in your life. And so anyway, that's what the promise principle is. And I'm a big believer in it. I wasn't in it at first because I thought I got so many things in my life going on. And I thought, I need it for myself, let alone helping other guys. So I go there as a participant, not just as a leader. And it's been very powerful. Well, you had the other one. Huh. The vision. And, and the vision for your marriage booklet. Um, so that is uh, accessible on our marriage page of our website. Somebody can download that if they would like. We feel it's very important that a marriage, a married couple have a vision for their marriage. And so uh, we encourage all of our married couples to download that book, booklet, and uh, once a year, go through it. Take a little vacation, a little weekend away or a week vacation, 
and throughout that time together, be going through the questions that are in the vision for your marriage booklet. This is an a sampling. Uh, the first kind of few questions are, why did God bring us together as husband and wife? What is his purpose and plan for our lives together? What, what, is, the, what is that vision? What, does, what is it that we, he, he brought us together to do? And I would say very few couples probably ever have that conversation. And it's so important because if you don't have a vision, then you're just really living day to day um, with a, not a lot of purpose in your relationship. So not only do we cover questions like that, but we talk about like our family, our children, finances, our finances ministry, so all these different topics, and we're able to talk through and really begin to pray. First of all, we got to pray together so our minds are in un unity about that, and then writing those things down, and then every year thereafter, evaluating how have we been doing? Have we been following what we, what we prayed about last year and the things that we want? And it really helps, I think, even in decision-making. So if we're going to go and if, if, if one um, our, our spouse wants to go and buy a house or something or buy a cabin or whatever, well, is that in our vision plan here? Did we talk about that? You know, does it fit? So I think it really helps you even in making your uh, daily, you know, daily decisions and, and big decisions in your life as well. So uh, how, how often do you recommend meeting or and how long does it take to, to develop that? Let's say. Yeah, well, I we strongly encourage the best way to do this is really to go away for the weekend, a weekend or just part of your vacation, so that it's just focused time on talking about your your vision for your marriage. Now, in that weekend, it's not like that's all you do. I mean, take a few hours and do that, and then do something fun go for a walk, go swimming, whatever, you know, enjoy whatever the surroundings are of where you're at, and then go back and, and maybe go through some more of those questions. And so um, I, and then I say doing it once a year. So like for us, it's in January. We, we just start out our, our year doing our vision for our marriage booklet. And then every year thereafter, we just look at how are we doing on this and we it. It's an electronic document, so it's something that you can just be typing in and filling out and, and adjusting as you need to. I would say the first time probably takes a little bit longer, mm -hmm. but then after that it isn't because you're only tweaking what uh, has happened. And occasionally there are transitions in your life and you want to be able to talk about that and figure out, you know, are we on the same page here and are we moving together in this? So I think that's really good. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's powerful. Um, I guess in closing, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with people listening in uh, about anything that's been, we've discussed or final words of wisdom? Yeah, I want to, I was just thinking as you were sharing that, you know, Pam and I have been married 41 years and we knew each other five years before that. So it's 46 years. And one day when I was praying, I felt the Lord spoke to this to me about, his character and his love and his compassion that has absolutely no limit at all. And then the next thought was, we are created in the image of God. And I don't know if there's no limit, but there's so much more to us that is in our lives that 
is yet to be explored. So there's so much more about Pam that I get to know, even though I've been with her 46 years. Part of it is, of it is we are in new seasons of life. And so how is she going to respond? So I'm looking forward to the future to get to know my wife in even a greater way. And uh, the second thing is that I want to build a legacy so that at the end of the day, my kids and my grandkids will say, grandma and grandpa loved each other. They cared for each other. I want to be like them. And um, we don't do everything right, for sure. Mm-hmm. But we give one another grace. We forgive one another. We love one another. We love our kids and our grandkids. And so there's a couple things I think of. What about you? Yes, I, I think also it, we should never forget the element of having fun together. Oh, yeah. And um, that's important. And sometimes just in the day-to-day living and in schedules and busyness and everything, sometimes you can just forget like, hey, we should have fun together. We, we should enjoy being together with one another. So what kind of things can we do that are fun, that we really enjoy, that we can laugh? And and uh, I mean, I, I know there's sometimes when we, we, one of us does something and we just laugh so hard. And that's so good for us too, just to have fun together. So that's true. Concluding thoughts. Great concluding thoughts. Um, and I guess uh, if people have heard of things, uh, want more information on some of the things you've talked about, programs or other things, uh, how can they get more information or reach out to you folks? Uh, you can um, you can email marriage at rivervalley.org. That comes to us and we can answer any questions mm-hmm. that you have. Uh, they can go to our webpage and uh, under ministries and marriage, marriage page, mm-hmm. there's information in there. We have marriage resources and different things that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the promise principle that's under the men's ministry. It identifies and shows all of that. The uh, vision booklet is on the marriage page. So there's two ways. I'd say go to our webpage or uh, email marriage at rivervalley.org and we'll reach back out and connect with whoever has questions. And we're willing to give to people things that we have and we want to build up the body of Christ and we want to build up marriages. Thank you. And so the website for River Valley is at rivervalley.org? Yes. Okay, well, great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, Tom. It has been great to talk and visit with you today. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.